Hi, everybody. Welcome. A huge welcome to Conversation with Calvin Weeder Species. Uh, it is Thursday, February 16th. I always love to do the chronology of it all. Uh, I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am uh, to chat with Eddie Doyle. Uh, we have an interesting history, but he's a cybersecurity expert. My head is swimming with a million things to talk about. Uh, we met because of networking, LinkedIn, uh, his daughter, uh, uh, and all of that. Uh, and and we've been kind of thinking about this, and now it's being implemented. His background, and, and, and he wrote something yesterday. He didn't write it yesterday, but he sent it to me, and it, like, blew me away. He's talking about... Um, an open secret, it's the conversation that counts. And and I read it, uh, not because you're here, but I read it like three times. It's like, wow, this stuff oh, cool. is, you know, I taught at Rutgers three years ago and and and, and the whole aspect of conversation, mm -hmm. it's so important, uh, that part one, but his journey, his life journey. By the way, I didn't say this to you, I'm saying it now, uh, this stuff yeah. we made out of. What, say that again? This is the stuff, you are the stuff that movies or maybe Aww, thanks man that's very sweet of you to say no, so it's true i mean your journey you, know, <laughs> you, you come here you're 20 years old you're homeless you talk all about that anyway I, I, sure. i'm so it, it, this is a powerful 40 minutes that we're going to spend with you especially cyber security. yeah let's make it so right yeah, let's, so, let's make it powerful. Uh, right, uh, i'm i'm done with my <laughs> monologue i think first let's just do a little bit of a background for you how you arrived here and and then let's before we talk about cybersecurity stuff, I got a million things to ask you. Uh, let's talk about its conversation accounts. Sure, that's brilliant. Take it sure, away. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's conversation that 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 makes other people think that we're experts, as you introduced me, and that's kind of the point of that that post on LinkedIn is to say that you know, hey, <laughs> I've been carrying this anointing from beautiful, generous people. And yet, um, you know, underneath it all, it's it's way beyond the psychology of imposter syndrome, but that would be along the lines of it, right? And then you realize that, yeah, just over the ages of having deep, meaningful conversation, that's when people really learn. That's when it goes from the head to the heart. Then, yeah, sure, you know, you can carry the mantle of an expert on something, but um, yeah, humbly. All right, man. Yeah, so you want a bit of a background? Is that what you were saying on how yes, I got here? a little yeah, bit. In, your, your journey in my strange accent here. here. I got to America, or here as in talking to you, right? Yeah. Well, you said here as in talking to you is uh, serendipitous because it was very sweet of you, right? Generosity to uh, to help out a kid of mine. I, I forget. I think we just we found you in through social media, and I think we just reached out to you cold call, right? I'm I'm ultimately a sales yeah. dude, so to tie in a little bit of my background with how how you and I met. Um, yeah, I was uh, <laughs> rather penniless a long time ago, and uh, I tried school. I did try. <laughs> I tried hard. <laughs> so I wasn't going to go do that again. Um, at this point, is a little bit further, a few years on from arriving, um, you know, with a bag full of clothes into Canada, actually, at the time is where I arrived. Very cold. You need a bag full of clothes there. And um, a few years after that, I had a baby at uh, 26 years old, which really made me stand up to attention. Right. It was like, holy. OK, right now, life all of a sudden is taking on a whole new meaning. Right. Responsibility. And look, hey, that's that's the scary word that, that I was running from for so many years. And, and what I did, actually, I'll tell you how I ended up in this very moment. 
I did read a little newspaper article and in Canada at the time, they had a national newspaper called the Globe and Mail. And it had one of these junk food articles, as you would expect from most newspapers today, um, you know, top paid professions in Canada, something like that, right? And I remember the top three, clearly, doctor, lawyer, engineer, right? I forget which order. And I thought, well, yeah, right, good luck, right? School dropout guy. <laughs> not, not not doing that. I'm 20, now I'm 26 years old with a baby. Uh, but the fourth one was sales and marketing. Wow. I had no idea what that was. Wow. I had no idea, right? And, you know, so that's... The, and then I just got into various conversations and I fell into technology. Um, well... Technology, if you think, you know, this is 1990. Okay, come on then, I'm 50. I'll do the math for you. Um, this is 96. No, no, this is 98. So just prior to the dot-com boom, right? And Or actually during the dot-com boom, just prior to the bust. So technology sucked a lot of people into the conversation. It was so powerful. You know, Hewitt-Packard and, you know, Apple and IBM, all these giant companies springing up overnight you know, and in this concentration, mostly in Silicon Valley, um, which pulled people into a, really a wonderful, and th this is the point of good conversation, a wonderfully improvised conversation, because in technology, we're making it up as we go. So that's that's real conversation, right? Is, as in, what you and I are doing right now, right, is an improvised, um, restful and careful carefully selected words to engage in a conversation whereby you're listening i can see it you're nodding right that's part of the conversation and you know and technology really is it's filled with engineers who are generally really beautiful people right maybe lacking on the interpersonal skills hence i'm talking about conversation but 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 purists of heart typically right people who design engineers and this is the technology movement so it sucked people like me into the sales and marketing part of that and as I put in that article I've gratefully ridden road road the coattails of these engineers and had a wonderful career for you know pretty much 20 years now um you know amazing and so so from that little article I thought well I can probably do that and I stumbled around a lot of garbage products and <laughs> before I finally arrived at a place where, you know, I now, you know, I'm just honored because I represent, you know, one of the behemoths in, you know, the cybersecurity world, um, you know, one of the great inventors, um, you know, one of the organizations that actually started all of network security. So, you know, imagine that, right, from 26 years old to this today. Um, you know, and that that I would represent these kinds of brains. I mean, really, really, the guy that started our company, Checkpoint, um, invented the original firewall. Wow, wow. Yeah, right. So, wow. you know, you think about a brain like that, that codes and sees something before everybody else sees it. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a visionary uh, gift, I have to say gift, right? Steve Jobs, gift, right? I, I just, you know, it, it makes it unattainable. So I don't like the word gift because it makes it feel like if you don't, if you haven't been had the gift bestowed upon you, then, you know, but yet we write books about some people, <laughs> right? That's what I mean. So it's something special like that. So they've got that and they've got an engineering skill set. And guess what? 
they were bloody well born at the right time. Let's just tip our hat to, you know, Mother Nature. Right. Because that skill set born a hundred years earlier was the nerd that was slapped around by the brute. That's where we came from as a species. You know, so so the new kings and queens of our age are, of course, these people. And, and let's let's give them also some more credit, though. They have uh, industriousness, right? Conscientiousness as a trait. Right. Like our guy. He did all this when he was pretty much a kid. He started at 17, 18 years old. Right. He was very much independently wealthy in his early 20s. He's still the CEO today. <laughs> right. 30 years later. Wow. Right. So they have industriousness as a trait. They can't turn it off. Right. That's that's the difference. So, yeah. So so beautiful conversation. Um, attracts people um, to solving difficult problems. And I, and I think that's as important a skill, maybe not, as the engineering of the actual solution. It is. I you know? It is. Well, I'm wrestling, you know, because I'm discovering this. I'm I'm definitely not one of the engineers that 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 comes with a solution. I, and I'm I'm grateful that I I well, can I dare to say re represent these people? That's what we say in the industry, you're a representative, but you understand what I mean. I'm using deep, meaningful language, Carbon, right? So, you know, so I'm here. This is wonderful. I'm at, I'm at the party. It's great. <laughs> and, 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 you know, my, my, in a sense, my mission, because there's 3.4 million jobs needed in cybersecurity globally, 800,000 in the world, right? Yeah. And then I had mentioned to you, or, or rather in this article in, on LinkedIn, that there's an urgency for this conversation, right? I hope I hope we're doing okay. By the way, this was the point of your podcast. If I'm, you're yeah. just listening. No, we're doing fine. I, Beautiful, man. Setting, Beautiful. We're okay. Yeah. Well, here's here's where I'm going then, because um, there is an urgency to this conversation because the new millennium threat is not the thing that is still being spoken about. So here's what I mean. There's a, there's a great um, Harvard psychologist, a Canadian boy, actually, called Steven Pinker, wrote a book called uh, Better Angels of Our Nature and wrote another one called um, Enlightenment Now. I think that was the title of it now. So he's a clinical psychologist, I think a statistician, maybe something like that. But he wrote this book about the fact that, look, all the things we think are going wrong with the planet aren't actually going wrong. This was old news. We've done so well. We've got other problems now. His his son, as an example, actually, I don't know if they appear in his book, but that's the premise of his book. As an example, the United Nations, I think in the year 2000, set a goal to half world poverty by the year 2020. They achieved their goal in 13 years, not 20. Most people today, or rather more people today, die of obesity-related problems than starvation-related problems, right? So, so... We, but we're still having a, a, a conversation that is incorrect, right? We're not having the right conversation. We are looking at the things that that I think we've actually, we plant more trees. So reforestation, we plant more trees on three main continents than we do cut them down. That's been happening, I think, for two decades now. Now, of course, those trees need time to grow. I, I get that these aren't complete solutions, but... But, you know, we we are there are some geniuses engaged in 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 providing the solution. And I think a correct conversation 
helps them. <laughs> right, right. That's powerful. <laughs> powerful. Yeah, you know, that, that's uh, what I mean. I'm so I I was you know like I said I read this four times. Uh, and by the way, here's the the, the logo I sh I'm showing people if they can see that's just kind of introduces your article on conversation. Um, and and uh, I I love what you said your your how important conversation is before we jump into cybersecurity. But you're at a water cooler with with the president of your company. I mean, he's the president of your company. You're at a water cooler. You've never met him before and stuff, and you you gotta uh, strike up a conversation. That's hard. Yeah. And you have to be a really good conversationalist, and it's yeah. probably about fifty different layers you have to unpack right away mm -hmm. to begin a conversation. Uh, uh, and 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 I've been such a fan of that to be able to be able to talk to anybody on the planet. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, so, but you were so incisive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what humanity yearns for, right? That's community, you know, to, to have that. And yet, and we have to be careful here because, you know, I'm not a psychologist and we could easily slip into confidence building techniques and, right, you know, and, and yes, all of these things, like I've done the Tony Robbins, the Stephen Coveys, I did all that stuff. It's absolutely necessary. These are all building blocks, right? Um, but th this is something I, I, I want to try and single it out as as unique. Yeah, because it's I think something a little different. It's more, it's more restful than it is energetic. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Just it's just right. Just yeah. conversation. There's con there's there's connection versus um, using people in a sense, right? I, I don't quite mean it that way. Like I have I colleagues, they ask me to do things, they use me, I do it, I do the same thing. So it's not in a in a bad sense, but it's, you know, it's transactional there. So it's 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 connecting versus transactional. And we, we long for connection. And yes, you're right. When we stand next to like, oh man. And you, you reminded me too that I didn't tie up something from my previous conversation on the urgency for cybersecurity, but I think you you had mentioned that, so we'll get into it. Yes. But I remember a time, like standing at the water cooler next to the president or that stylish executive, right? That we think, as I said in the article, metaphorically has the keys to our promotion. So we immediately yes. move into a subservient role. That doesn't work with conversation. That's a presentation, right? We see this from these dreadful news media people who who just you know, preach because there's, there's a subservient role. They're trying to get people to believe them or to agree with them, right? That's not conversation. And so when we're at the water cooler and there's that stylish you know, um, executive, there's an intimidation and we slip into that. And so here I am talking about psychology, the very thing I said, we've got to be careful not to slip into, right? But that's the technique behind it. And, and so, or rather, that's the psychology behind it. And where I've mentioned, too, that we don't need technique when we have heart, we can bypass understanding all of this when we say to that stylish executive, as I actually have said to strangers wearing suits back in my 20s, when I was trying to get ahead in life, when I was working four jobs, construction, night shifts, trying to support a baby, blah, blah, cry me a river, right? But desperate. I would literally go up to people downtown in suits who looked nice because I, I didn't have a clue. I wasn't raised like this. I didn't have a clue what these people, I didn't even know, what do these people do for a living? I have no idea. That's how lost from the conversation 
I like how can you be raised that way? It's really wild. I'm not blaming anybody for that, but how how can you grow up in in an environment where that's all I see now, right? Is the suits. Anyway, I would go up to people in suits and actually have conversation with them and ask them what they did for a living. Really, that's where I had to start. And, and obviously there's a lot of rejection with that, but there are some amazingly generous people out there, yeah. Yeah. right? You're one of them, mate, to be reaching out to you with my daughter, right? To help us out with some tunes or something it was, wasn't it? With her education, yeah. yeah. Right, and your affiliation with Rutgers, exactly. So, right, so that's what you do. And look, I'm still doing it. <laughs> right Calvin at 50 years old I'm still going to strangers luckily you're not wearing the suit I've shed the suit too I wore that long enough <laughs> we've all got to go through that phase but yes I'm still walking up to people saying hey and getting into conversation and look at that from me reaching out to you I think probably over LinkedIn or something I don't know I connected with you LinkedIn, had a LinkedIn. phone call and we had a conversation it wasn't a talk Right. I wasn't presenting yes. to you. You weren't presenting to me. It was like, this is my kid. She's 20. Right. You're a Rutgers guy. You teach this course or whatever. I can't even remember what it was now. Right. And then you were like, yeah. And we had a conversation. And now we're here having another one. It's beautiful. Correct. Man. And that's beautiful. the beauty of conversation. Right. It can take you down so many pathways. Yeah. And, yeah. and the more you converse, the better you get. It's like a baseball player. Right you keep going to batting practice you're going to get better and better you keep i i, I yeah i really hope this is interesting for the audience i, th I think it is because you, but you've got to get the spirit of it right that there is a you and i are like you have words but words have meaning so so to have to have an to have a conversation that is deeply restful that is that results in understanding and orients you toward a noble goal you you are patient and paused and as soon as you put words to feelings you degrade the experience as soon as you put words to it whatever the words are so so there's a great book by uh, don miguel ruiz and it's called the four agreements so there's four habits you need to learn and one of them is be impeccable with your speech oh, the tough one right it's a real tough one and when you think about conversation in that way, that you 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 truly, as a human being, and let's segue into cyber because I think that's probably what will be advertised for people to come to our conversation, right? Yeah. So we should we should certainly get into that. And that's I'm so pleased we started the conversation because this is cybersecurity can be intimidating. So this is the segue. It's like come with us into this conversation. It doesn't need to be intimidating, right? So so. So yeah, as you as you move into a conversation for things that are complicated like cybersecurity, there is something deep in your heart that is likely something along the lines of, I just don't get it. And yet I'm a Rutgers student or I'm a you know an MBA holder and, and I don't get what this chief information security officer guy is saying to me. Right, okay. So bypassing all the technique, I said you come from heart, it's like, hey man. <laughs> I really don't get it, you know, and to own that piece of the conversation because that has to fit and it will because the person you're talking to, a CISO, a Chief Information Security Officer, has the has the piece of the puzzle that fits. That person has the knowledge. So you have to start there. And when you when you when you own that piece of the conversation, because it is yours, right? It's the honest truth, the next that the CISO also has a problem. How am I and this and 
let's say I'm the CISO, you're the person with the MBA and you are a, you are a finance person uh, working at Bank of New York Mellon, you got a bill out at 700 bucks an hour. So you don't have too much time to talk to this guy. You're really smart, right? But I'm a chief information security officer and you're just like, I don't get your program. So I have to, in a very limited amount of time through conversation, help you understand. You've got an MBA, you're smart. It's not about that, right? And I don't have time to get you sit down to a four-year degree in cybersecurity. This is what this is. A, I will say this. I will give a little bit of a finger wagging to my own industry. Right. Um, I looked at all the nerd books out there and they're exactly that. You know, and it's like, how do you follow the chief information security officers uh, cyber hygiene program? If you're that accountant, the Bank of New York Mellon, you are a target by threat actors. Right. You are a target by threat actors because you hold the keys. Wow. Right. Potentially to a lot of money. Wow. So. So it's incumbent upon me, it's my career as the information security officer to protect you. And I put something rather provocative that no one's actually seen yet in that article. I only released it yesterday. I put this, that the role of the chief information security officer is to provide the least amount of security for you to have an epic work life. Now, what I expect from people to say is, no, no, no you want the most amount of security. You don't. You want the least. And the reason why, if I'm the chief information security officer and I've got carte blanche, I can give I can make you, Calvin, the most secure. I'll just unplug. That's that. You're 100 percent secure, my friend. You unplug. Right. So this is the problem that a chief information security officer needs to have skillful conversation about. I can't unplug. I actually have to give you the entire plug. Then. I have to watch where the threat actors are focused and I have to, with micro surgical precision, cut that little piece out because what I'm actually doing is I'm slowing you down at 700 bucks an hour, right? Oh. MBA over at Bank of New York Mellon. Oh. That, that, that employer of yours is billing you out at proper money. And so if I make you jump through multiple hoops of let's say multi-factor authentication, Right. So I hope everybody's familiar with that. Basically, what it is, you're going to log on to a system because you're an accountant. You're responsible for trillions of dollars at the bank. You have to log on to a system. It's going to send the thing to your phone to have multi-factor authentication. I'm authenticating that I'm the person that is allowed to work on this multi-trillion dollar deal. Right. And so that slows me down by microseconds. So as a chief information security officer, I have to skillfully look and go, oh, threat actors can get in the way of Calvin logging onto this system and steal this money. I need to make sure it's Calvin. I have to make Calvin do an extra thing, right? Now that's annoying for Calvin and it's annoying for the organization because they're trying to bill you out at 700 bucks an hour. And now I, as the chief information security officer, come along and I start... You know, oh, now I'm going to make you click here and do this and do some awareness training. And I need half an hour of your time here. And so what the chief of security officer is actually doing is trying to give you the least amount of security so you can have the most epic work life. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's hard because I mentioned um, what was I just Googled them in my in that little blog post I put up um, this GAN. What were they called again? You've got it in front of you, I think. Wow. And they. They've amassed what? Is it Clap? Yeah, yeah, those guys. They've amassed half five hundred million. Yeah, half a billion dollars in three years, man. My, it, that's it, one gang. It's one gang. It's beyond. It's beyond. 
It's beyond my comprehension. <laughs> and it's happening right under our noses. Most people aren't aware. It's like what's happening with artificial intelligence. It's like what Elon Musk is doing with Starship. People just aren't aware. He is actually going to get people to Mars this guy. It's happening. People just don't think it's happening. It's happening, right? And it's the same with cybersecurity. This entire industry just happened. Somebody plugged in, and then that was that. And that's that's what we're going to be saying about AI, by the way, right? Somebody plugged in, and that was that. There is no turning back. And so, you know, the Bonnie and Clyde, um, you know, thieves have mostly gone away. Banks don't need to carry the cash, right? It's keystrokes. That's what I was mentioning a little earlier. Most people are well fed now, <laughs> you know, so the, 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 the threat is from cybercrime, you know, um, San, uh, is it San Diego? It's on my phone. I just want to get it right. It's under ransomware attack right now. It's on the news. Uh, so here we are. Where are we, Calvin? What's the date today, my friend? Uh, the 16th. We're the 16th, right. And it is um, a county in California somewhere. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time looking at the headlines now because I've seen them. It's buried it and gone somewhere else. But there's a county in California that is under ransomware attack right now. Look at the entire country of Costa Rica last year. The entire country got taken offline. Boom. There you go. And this is how easy it is. So that's my... Uh, uh, my go on. I, I, like I said, I, I've got all these... Yeah. I... It's not my business... It's your business. I can't fathom the 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 knowledge that we, the species, have that we can't come up with foolproof cybersecurity. I don't understand. Uh, you know, I don't. Okay. At this, at this tremendous stage of sophistication, why can't we protect? Uh, I know that uh, a big uh, a big securities house has spent six hundred million dollars on on cybersecurity. Uh, I'm not mentioning the names. Next year they're going to spend a billion. The, you know, JP. You know, uh, it's all public information. Yeah, yeah, yeah a, a billion dollars to put, and it's not even guaranteed. I, I I don't. Why can't we come up with? Why can't you come up with something? <laughs> Um, so, so I'll, I'll give some examples of, um, folks, but uh, you will notice I will dance on a razor's edge in skillful conversation. Um, because of course I work in the industry. I have some conversations that are secret conversations. Um, you know, others are in the public domain. And so you'll have to piece the information together if there are gaps. Okay. Um, we are, we are winning Calvin. That's the thing. So, so you look at so JP Morgan, um, so Jamie Diamond at, at the last Davos, actually, I think the one before in 2021, he said, it, so what I read was 600 million, but he said uh, 1 billion in cybersecurity. I, I uh, yeah, that, that's probably about between 600 million to a billion, certainly. So that's a lot of money. Okay. Um, that company is very secure, right? The vast majority of companies are actually secure. And this is the wonderful thing about how the world works. Somebody plugged in. So really, it was TCP over IP was created by DARPA, the Pentagon's research and development branch in 1983, I think. It got turned into the World Wide Web at CERN in Switzerland by Tim Berners-Lee in 1992. And then the rest is history. And what we did is we created an entirely new thing 
I was just joking the other day with somebody about the fact that this poor activist girl in Russia who had spoken out about the war uh, has now been placed under house arrest and for 10 years is not allowed to use a computer or a telephone. It's like, what can you do now? That's that's not just house arrest. That's something else. You can call it house arrest. That's torture of a kind because you can't bank. You can't do anything now. So that's interesting. Right. So so we've created we've created a a a wonderful thing. I, I like to call it Johann Gutenberg's um, 2.0 printing press. And the vast majority of people are not hacked. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. Considering, so now I work in corporate, um, in the corporate environment, right? Fortune 500 environment. So there's a fair bit of discipline within that environment because, you know, the customers I talk to obviously are the beneficiaries of the payroll of that organization. And if the organization says, let's be cyber secure, they'll say, yes, sir. We don't have that at home. We don't have that on our personal phones. And yet of the billions, billions of people, uh, the vast majority are completely safe. So so now there are, though, your, your observation is accurate that there are devastating, um, um, you know, I, I, I try to avoid the word hacks because that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not always bad, but um, breaches of uh, confidentiality and breaches of personal data. So I was talking about the country of uh, Costa Rica. I think this was last year. It's all been blended in with this blasted COVID lockdown nonsense. Um, and so I think it was last year, Costa Rica. So this is what the uh, threat actors did. They simply uh, shut down the financial department, which was actually what they did in the uh, colonial pipelines hack of, I think, 2001, wasn't it? Colonial pipelines. And over the East Coast, where I'm, you and I are at, yeah, we had some exactly gas shortages. They, they attacked the finance department. So if finance can't bill the pipeline stops running, <laughs> you know, so they didn't attack the SCADA system, which is the actual physical systems. These are heavily locked down, right? We're very careful because, well, the US government for a start has legislation for public companies and utilities and critical infrastructure companies, banks, right? Even private banks, right? Um, where they say you are mandated by the Department of Heaven and Security to make sure you have certain cybersecurity controls. So that's heavily locked down. Um, yeah, the finance department, that's a good one. Yeah, well done, threat actors. Right, great. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll beef up there now, right? So, you know, got you is kind of, that's the thing that you're seeing, right? And and, and of course the press love it. Um, you know, and, and look, you, we, of course, we have to publish this and we have to write about it and we have to own it. And we don't want to blame the victim, but we do want to have responsibility. You know, if I think about the predecessors of the Equifax hack, I, I don't... Like the new guy over there is brilliant. So, you know, it's a tough one for me to talk about. But the predecessor, when Equifax did get uh, breached, um, you know, mind you, he's done such a great job of just, you know, owning it as an organization. He wasn't even around. But uh, the predecessor, um, yeah, was not the right CISO. So there needs to be pressure uh, for things like, and in that case, Department of Homeland Security had actually gone around to all critical infrastructure companies. They had found... Wow, this is a few years ago. I think it was a vulnerability in either an Apache server or some kind of Cisco server, but there was a critical vulnerability. And so what Department of Homeland Security, when they find this out from companies like mine, we research all this, right? When they find out, we say, hey, there's a critical vulnerability. So Department of Homeland Security, they run around to all these important companies like Equifax that has everybody's, every American's personal details, right? Uh, so obviously they're highly targeted. And they say, okay, 
here's the vulnerability. Here are all the solutions because all the vendors we claim, you know, we clamor for this because we want to sell stuff. That's that's the solution, right? We're we're selling stuff to these guys. We found this. We found the problem that the, the, the there's a vulnerability. We found a patch, right? We wrote a patch, or probably just the company that you know Apache, Cisco. You know, they they wrote a patch, right? We can help too as security vendors. And so Department of Homeland Security says, all right, here are the solutions. You're good to go. And whoever, somebody, Equifax, all those years ago said, yes, good to go. So it was actually the first time that the FBI pursued a criminal negligence, negligence case. They didn't do it in the end. They didn't pursue it. They weren't official, but they were talking about it. So that was interesting to me because we hadn't seen that before. Because it's like, hey, guys, you said this was an easy one. But all you had to do was patch the server. That was an easy one. Now, that's a hell of a thing for me to say, actually, Calvin, because a true technologist would say, it's not that easy, Eddie. And they're right. They are right. I just made it sound flippantly easy and I erred there. So to be impeccable with my speech. Yeah. Yeah. Let me correct myself. Um, the point is, if you're Equifax, you should have the manpower to get it done. That's that's definitely what this mistake was about. The others, Colonial Pipelines, just like, no, that was very creative. Yeah. So look, you know, I'm, I'm pontificating on some of the breaches that are out there. Uh, yes, there is one ransomware gang that have amassed such a massive amount of money in three years. One company spending, you know, 600 to a billion um, and all these jobs available. So so I think our serendipitous, serendipitous reconnection here, Calvin, is, is really to help people into the cybersecurity conversation because yeah. 800,000 jobs in North America. Like, I don't have an undergraduate degree. So who cares what yours is in? It's Come. incomprehensible. I, I, it's, it's, I, I'm almost saying I think I want to learn to be a cybersecurity. Come on, buddy. <laughs> um, a, a quick way, another, I, I, I have all these things on my head. So I'm taking this down to some very practical levels for lots of people out there. So, uh, two two factor authentication. Uh, I have my cell phone with all most of my important passwords. How how strong is that? Is it just on a note, or is it in a password locker? Well, no. I mean, uh, when I want to sign into places where I go all the time, a lot of social media and, and you know my email accounts and stuff, it's all. To, they, so they all text me uh, codes to put in. Is yeah. that's that that's obviously way better than nothing. That's right, absolutely. That's that's two factor or multi factor authentication. That's really cool. Um, when you said you've got your passwords written down in your phone, my question was, is it? No, they're not in my phone. No. Okay, good, good. Oh. Yeah, you don't want that. No. Um, okay, yeah, but the two factor, which is the then pinging you a like YouTube does it really well because they, they say open up YouTube and they say this was this you. That's a really good one. No, that's really great. I like that because um, there's there's like one little button you have to click, right? So set that up for sure. Yeah, that's very safe. What else? What else? You want All to right. um, yeah. Okay. Now, um, I, I spent a lot of time uh, every day reading a ton of different articles. Uh, a few weeks ago, I saved it. It's, but there was an article saying there's going to be cyber or Megadon, in uh, or Megadon. Uh, Armageddon. Yeah. Armageddon. I always pronounce that wrong. Cyber or Armageddon. Uh, uh, in our power grid in two years, they're going to shut down the world's power grids. Is that 
something to worry about now? No, not any more than we have. Yeah, I but guys like me worry about it, so you, you don't need to. Oh, thank you. No, really, really. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I, I don't mean to, you know, inflate my own tires. And God, I'm just about to give you a hell of a description after a sentence like that, because, you know, the, the tip of the spear guys, the Navy SEALs are always fighting. So we don't have to. Right. Right. So. Um, so, no, you don't. You, you really don't. But let's get into it a little bit. Um, power grids have been a target for probably a good 15 years but certainly in the last 10 right um there was a very successful virus from 2005 called Stuxnet that hit a certain power plant right so that was the first we knew of massive uh sophistication this is 2005 right massive sophistication for affecting things in the real world it was actually um, uh, uh, uranium centrifuges to slow down the um, Iranian, the country, not uranium, Iranian uh, development of um, yellow cake for uh, weapons material. And so um, what uh, somebody will say did is create a virus, which was called Stuxnet, um, to affect the actually the centrifuges spinning. So when the Homer Simpson guy, just to explain this one, so when the Homer Simpson guy's there with all the buttons and the levers, right? You know, with the the the, the you know nuclear power plant, in this case centrifuges spinning, his his RPMs were showing whatever two thousand RPMs, whatever it's supposed to be spinning at, but the actual centrifuges were spinning faster or slower, so it was screwing up the manufacture of weapons grade plutonium. <laughs> so really smart, right? Wow. Um, so, you know, a cyber weapon, what we call a cyber weapon today, that was the very first one, as a matter of fact. So that was all in 2005, right? People knew how to do that in 2005. Wow. Wow. In, in, a, in, a, in a secret location in the middle of the desert in Iran that was completely air-gapped, no internet connection. Wow. And they managed to pull that off. Wow. Right. Wow. Yeah. So so that was 2005. So if we wanted to shut down entire electrical grids, we certainly the United States by far, by far, by far, by so far, our technical capabilities outweigh everybody else's on the planet. But it's not the NSA goes 10 stories deep. Including China, which I worry about, too. They, they can't even perfect the stuff they're copying. Okay. They can't even make that work. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, the media, you know, God, the media is really whipping us into a strange narrative. This is why conversation is so important. China being seen as an absolute enemy right now. And it's like, yeah, I get it. What they're doing in the South China Sea, creating runways for massive expansion of military airports is like, yeah, please don't do that. You're going to worry us, right? So it's, yeah, yeah, I get that. Let the military guys have that conversation. Public opinion needs to be swayed toward love. That's what we need to be talking about right? Yes, there's lots of espionage. It's, yes, I, I'm in a position where I hear these stories, right? I know firsthand, you know, of, of these kinds of things. And so funny, I mean, the technical world, you know, what, you know what falls most people to get their actual password and credentials? Sex. 
It always comes down to it. It's unbelievable, right? Some engineer somewhere, right, who's never had a good-looking girl look at him. <laughs> right, Calvin? Yeah. This is what gets people. It's unbelievable, wow. right? Anyway, and the same politicians, right? It's like, wow. So espionage, old-school espionage is still very much alive. So, um, yeah, so you, you, the media has us afraid of China. China's got a big problem. They've got a big problem. They don't know how to feed their people. They yeah. import 50% of their food. They import, I think, about 50 to 60% of energy. Like, you, we don't need a cyber attack. Just stop exporting energy to them. Wow. They'll just freeze to death. Wow. Starve to death. 50% of what? 1.7 billion. You think these people are going to invade Taiwan tomorrow? Come on. Come on. Let's have a conversation. Let's, like, what are we saying, right? So it's, you know, I get it, though, because these damn political leaders, they're just so horrific, all of them. How do we get to that place? Somebody with better conversational skills, or rather, I should say, um, more experienced conversational skills to stomach a political conversation needs to handle that one. Because how did these people become are elected like you ask anyone are you proud of that guy or that guy or that guy it doesn't matter that girl right no <laughs> if we're being honest right this is a game it's theater that's being played um so we need to put an end to that and i think conversation would be very helpful now if those people have stopped playing theater we would think about china differently yes the military are having as i say they're the tip of the spear people Thank goodness for them. Otherwise, we probably would be at war, right? So we let them, you know, stick their chests out and say, hey, right? Um, but the conversation we need to have, like, is, you know, what if, yeah, China can't, they wouldn't dare, right? They're way too dependent. And uh, the stuff they do copy. And I'm, I'm as a cybersecurity guy, I like to call myself, right? I'm an expert. Um, I'm outraged at what they steal. Do you know, a dear friend of mine, he used to be in the Chinese cyber army, immigrated to Canada years ago, set up an IT shop. I'm like, yeah, man, okay, I'm not bringing my hard drive into you. <laughs> He's a great guy. So his job in the Chinese cyber army, they would make, I won't bother saying who, which company name, an American computer manufacturer. There aren't many. An American computer manufacturer, so obviously it isn't just them, it's all of them. His job was to x-ray them so that he could look, this was years ago, we're talking in the 90s. Wow. Right. And he would look through this little thing, they would pass and they would, ex so they could copy how the circuitry was done. Wow. Inside, right? Because chips were sent from here. There's so much extra work that's needed so that people don't steal our stuff. It's really quite annoying because the amount of brain power it takes away from the ingenuity of the product right when you have to manufacture it in a sense in in not in your enemy's camp but in right in a place where you're guarding against them stealing the intellectual property from you wow it doesn't make any sense does it no. that you're making your stuff in a place where you know that they are stealing from you wow 
at any rate, this is what we've chosen to do in life. Yay. So yeah. they make it there. So my buddy's job was to x-ray these laptops in the bloody 90s, x-ray these laptops and yeah, see so that they could copy it. They still can't do it. <laughs> right? They've been trying to copy and make a superior, cheaper product to export it so we would buy it forever. And guess how the saying goes? If you buy a piece of junk, right? Yeah, yeah, right? They still can't do it. So they've got some problems. They've got to figure that out, you know? And, you know, there's. I lived in Canada. We, we used to joke about the brain drain, right? Doctors, you know? Because great educational system. You go to McGill, you go to U of T, right? This is some of the best universities in the world. And you can go there for like, 15 grand <laughs> right <laughs> you know if you're in state as it were if you're in province you're going for like 20 grand for your whole degree and then you come to america and make a fortune brain drain so you know the other part is i've got some wonderful uh, chinese immigrant friends where i live here um engineers right yeah they're all here right yeah and yeah. guess what so I believe somebody's going to have to fact check me on this, but I believe Asian women have made more money than white men for the last, I think, almost 10 years. I think it's eight years. And it's because all the super smart people get snapped up in these corporations. And it happens to be that in this case, I'm thinking about all my friends, right, who are electrical engineers, all female, right? The ones from Beijing and great universities. And they're here making a fortune putting their brains to the most creative test possible like if i could truly engineer the most amazing thing right if i could design the most amazing thing what would it be putting their gift to absolute use well wow. amazing wow well, amazing wow it's so fascinating um another uh, simple practical i'd like to to go from heavy theory to basic everyday turn on your computer practicality so right. in this new world um uh what are we better off with to protect our personal computers malware bytes versus an antivirus or both what well or today it's all in one usually so usually you get like a package from norton or whoever right um, the company I work for has a home package. Um, so if you go to checkpoint.com and um, uh, you go to, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it, but if you go in there and look for um, at home user, the, the, now I'm blanking on the name of it of all times. You know, that's, you know why? Because this is a plugless podcast. <laughs> hey, uh, but yeah, you go to any of these vendors, right? And you pay your 60 bucks or whatever it might be. You're going to get all of the right tools and okay. they're going to include your antivirus, right? So it's going to check for virus coming. It's going to include URL protection. So that's, you know, because there are some, Here's the problem, in, and, and you've got to bring me back from theory into practical, but I'm going to tell you why URL is important and why you need it, why you need a URL filter and how we can catch people quite easily, the principle behind it, right? It invites people into the conversation, so it's not as scary. Um, all URL filtering is doing is there are a bunch of people we sort of nickname script kiddies. Uh, because there's no barrier to entry to become an annoying, you know, uh, hacker, um, you can just keystroke and you can go to chat GPT today and ask it for a script, right? A piece of malware script, like an actual threat actor malware script that works and the, the AI will just wow. give it to you. Wow. 
Yeah, wow, right? So we've got to deal with this now. At any rate, so you know there are exploit kits out there too that you can rent from threat actors. This is what they do for a living. They create what's called an exploit kit. I suppose Jack GPT will put them out of work. And then some kid will will spark up a website, uh, you know, on on here we are, we just finished Valentine's. So he'll spark up a website on you know February 12th, Valentine's is awesome.com, whatever, and then send out a bunch of you know bad stuff. And what URL filtering does, why you need it, is it says, hey, this website was spun up two days ago. I just don't trust it because of that. Right? That's the only I, I don't care what it is, it's two days old. Go away. So, you know, so you'll get all of those little packages in one now, and it's it's so commoditized. There's nothing special about it. You just click and buy, right? It's it's okay. inexpensive. Why wouldn't you have it? Um, yeah, why wouldn't you have it? I, I, I imagine the tech support's brilliant, but, you know, my own machine, I'm the beneficiary of working for an enterprise that's in this business, so I'm pretty heavily locked down automatically. Yeah, but um, I imagine the tech support's okay. What else do we do that's practical? All right, uh, really off topic. I always like to ask this. It has nothing to do with... So here's the question. You don't have to answer it, uh, but it's a fun question. Uh, excluding family or friends, somebody living or dead you'd like to spend a day with? Somebody living or dead that I'd like to spend a day with? Yeah. Bloody mate. Hang on. I want to get this one right because... You know, what immediately goes to my thought is what brilliant person can I present you with? Well, come on. I don't want to do that. Right. I want to honor you, my friend. God, this will tell you a lot about me. This, this is the one because I don't want to tell you. Now I know it's the right one. I don't want to say it over a broadcast to all these people. Ayn Rand. Oh, well. Wow. Ayn Rand is so interesting to me. Now, forget all the politics. I can hear it already. One of my favorite books <laughs> is The Virtue of Selfishness. Okay, beautiful. And I don't mean from you. I mean, for all the people listening, it's just like, yeah. oh, you know, it's, you know why? Because she got something right. And there's not many people that can do that. That's what I mean. You know, she talking of conversations, those gigantic books, a thousand pages of small print, Atlas Shrugged is the book that changed my life. Going back, actually, to when I was 26 years old, reading that newspaper article. So just prior to that, I had walked up to a guy in a suit. This is actually a true story. It's so funny that I'm actually remembering this now when I thought of Ayn Rand. Uh, I'd walked up to a guy in a suit that had presented at a conference. And I was so poor, I'm just loitering, right, to hang out with cool people. And I said to this guy, you know, that was amazing, right? I knew I had my two seconds because everybody's lining up to shake this guy's hand, right? Right, that's amazing. I caught the tail end of it, right? And I said, what kind of stuff do you read? That's all I had time for. And he said, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. That was it. Changed my life. Wow. So, and the reason it changed my life, Calvin, is I moved very rapidly from a very superstitious and religious but genuinely authentic, blown in the wind young man to a strategic thinker, atheist, and somebody that wanted to architect his life based on leaving a legacy of beauty there. That's what she did for me. So I read that book, it took three bloody months. It took ages, it's a big book. And I read it three times back to back 
And then when I read that newspaper article, I went sales and marketing, hell yeah. Because what 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 Ayn Rand was very good at, and the virtue of selfishness, I've read all her work, is adopting responsibility for yourself. That's what she's very, very good at. And then once once you know that you are entirely responsible for your life, you can laugh like you do, like I just did, because guess what? We've all screwed up, right? What a joke, right? And then we we go, okay, right? If I if I could architect the best possible life for myself, one of true beauty, how would I do it? I think Ayn Rand would be helpful in that conversation. There you go. I I I, I think it's very serendipitous that uh, part of my part of my first novel. And, and the character's development was his affectation with Ayn Rand. Oh, really? And really? And, and he used that, the virtue of selfishness, uh, 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 to sustain sometimes his philandering. Well, you know what I'm reading at the moment? And it's like a little Bible to me now. Self-Reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Wow. It's the same thing as virtue yes. of selfishness. It's the same yes. thing. Same thing. In this guy yeah. was unbelievable at articulating why it is right to pursue your your the, the the thing that only you can do on this planet and 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 you can we could talk about that for a long long time right I have one right. quick the the last thing this may work the last thing i i've mm -hmm. i've tried to ask a, a lot of techie people this Nobody's given me, I'm very, very, very spiritual. Uh, I'll leave it at that. But uh, a couple of years ago, I I have my mother and father's, all my uh, ancestors' pictures on the wall. And, and for three days, I, I listened to one song that my mother loved uh, uh, for three days obsessively, compulsively, to be close to my mother who's you know gone 16 years. Um, and, and then I was randomly texting with a with a dear friend of mine, Guy Tano, uh, and and I put, I uh, and the last text I wrote to he asked me something and I I typed yup, y u p, and and I put my phone down uh, here and there was nothing uh, there was nothing on an outgoing text and twenty minutes later I just randomly went to pick up the phone, and there in in the outgoing message typed, but not sent was the word mom. Now, I'd like to know how that got there. I I believe she came out of the picture <laughs> and she typed mom. Uh, nobody's been able to give me any kind of an explanation for that. Yeah, yeah. And this is, this is where, you know, skill is involved in conversation, right? Because I think what happens is people we we make sense we have to create patterns it's 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 the way we survive as a species right we have to know that eating an apple sustains us the green one was the good one the red one killed the person right we have to make the pattern so we do this automatically and we have this insanely amazing experience called consciousness some call god some call you know a spirit spirit right? right? Whatever you want to call it, right? Sure. And we, our, our role is to, because we, 
Yeah, John Donne put it so well, didn't he? In the 1700s, can you, no, 1600s. Can you imagine? He wrote this in the 16 bloody hundreds. No man is an island aside from himself. Everyone a piece of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, England is the less. I always screw up this middle bit. Something about, you know, if you, um, ah, never send for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee is the ending. The point is one man's death diminishes everyone because I am part of everyone. I'm part of the whole, right? And so today we fast forward and we know from our DNA science that we metabolize sugar in the same ways trees do. So John Donne knew of our kinship with stardust, like everything, right, in the 1600s before science proved it out. Thank you, Renaissance. Now, something happened to you that you can't explain. And this is, and we have to be very careful there because we can trip up very easily. Cults are born out of such um, superstitions, right? Because we make superstitions from these things. And so this is where we skillfully dance between this crazy expression, this thing that happened called Eddie Doyle, <laughs> right? Whatever, I don't know, this thing that sprung into life all those years ago and continues to, I like to say I inherit my past in every moment, right? That continues to spring forth in spontaneity. I don't know what you're going to say next. You don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what's going to happen, right? My dog could suddenly run in here, right? So, so as as that continues to happen, things like mom on the phone, you're like, what? You're going to have to make sense of it, man. Somehow, right? Thanks. Because, yeah, because you, we have this beautiful expression of an individual. That's you. That's me. That's everybody. Right. And and yet we know behind the scenes we're all one. So we're trying to connect these things that happen to us like mom on the phone when I had a spiritual moment. Yeah, I can't answer it. But there's a lot of people that say they can. And you've got to be a little bit scared of them. <laughs> sometimes we just be a little bit careful of the people that are a hundred percent sure that's the skeptic in me coming out yes. right and that's the atheist right that comes yeah. out in me whereas skeptic hey man i go down to costa rica and sit with shamans that's all i'll say about that i do that and i'm an atheist yes right so i get it you got to win the spiritual battle before you win the real world battle i get it I am an atheist, though, and I and I am very skeptical of people who say they have the answer to things like what you presented, you know, because um, I, I, I wrote my second novel. It's being edited now in Minnesota. Uh, it's called There's a Tortoise in My Hair, semicolon, A Journey to Spirit. It's fiction, but it's really my story. But I had to tell. I had to tell this these spiritual things to me. Why? I'm a basic, I'm a regular guy, you know, Rutgers, football, basketball, hanging out on social media. There's there's nothing extraordinary about me. I'm a regular guy, period. Uh, uh, yet I, I've been gifted. You used that word before. Uh, you used it. Uh, I've been gifted with a tremendous amount of spirituality, most of which is, is inexplicable. Uh, uh, you know, this was put into my head one night. Uh, I don't know if I ever showed this to you. This was put into my head. It did, yeah, it changed the whole course of my life because I yeah, that's the right way to say it, Calvin. You're right. Um, there's a guy I really love at the moment called Jordan Peterson, and he says about J.K. Rowling's that it isn't so much that 
She wanted to write. She needed to write. So that's a good way of looking at it, right? It had to come out. It, yeah, this was stuck inside me my whole right. life for 40 years. That's, that's different from looking for it, right? It, it that's was some, stuck, it came in. Yeah, yeah. You see the, the cover that came to me one night. Yeah. Six months. We're going to break in, in a minute or two. The no, cover no, no, was. The cover came to me in an image, and then uh, years after this, uh, uh, I put it all together to figure out who's been hanging around me from up there. Uh, and and again, this came to me at four forty-four in the morning. The cover design, the book itself, came to me, uh, you know, twenty years ago. It popped into my head. I never wrote anything before. Cool, man. And a year after all that's published, I find, uh, I figure out that it's my grandfather's been hanging around me. So, uh, so I found, so, I found right. so picture. This is the picture of my grandfather. You see what's on that table? That bottle of water. Yeah, what is this that? Is 1902. It's a cool picture, man. And that's this bottle of water. Oh, get out of here. That's really cool. It's very cool. It's the same, same, the actual same bottle. Basically, it is. That's cool, man. 1902, really cool. and and you know, 80, 100 years later, boom. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, I so, can't. I, I can't move this particular camera around. But I've got a picture of my great grandfather in that same black and white. He's got this epic funny. manly mustache when the yeah, so when men were men. <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, yeah, yeah you, you're you're right about the assessment of that thing that is in you that needs to come out. And you know, isn't this beautiful though, Calvin? So here we are, a very spiritual guy talking to an atheist guy, and we're having agreement and okay. lovely conversation yep. right Spirit that's, that's... Has nothing to do with anything but it's it's personal and and yeah personal and... well look i mean i'm very spiritual too obviously with with having this kind of conversation yeah it's all um, spiritual yeah. it's secret you call it serendipitous uh, yeah whatever sure, exactly. listen you gotta go uh, i've got another 10 minutes mate uh well i've got okay. five yeah i've got okay. five all right yeah. uh so we'll, we'll kind of do a wrap good, we're good Okay. I mean, I, I have a million more things, but uh, for another time. Another uh, time. All right. Yeah. Another this was time. what I call a conversation. So thank you. Yeah. This was, I, I can't, I cannot thank you enough for your illumination and your passion and your energy. And, and oh, all thanks, of this. Uh, uh, it truly made my day and beyond. Uh, and I hope it'll make other people's day. Uh, I, I'm on your team to promote conversations you know uh, this because I I so believe in this. It, it it's such a gift and tool to succeed in life. So I'm on your team. Uh, I'm inviting you to come back, come back, whatever. So I, I'm formally going to uh, end this uh, amazing uh, interview with you. I think you are amazing. I think you are a gift. Period. Uh, and, mm. and I could listen to you all day. I'm going to end this. Uh, hang around for a minute. We'll do a quick wrap. Uh, Sounds good. Thank you so much, Eddie. Okay, man. My pleasure. Absolutely.